0: Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Awesome. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Well, I do have a message I want to share this morning that's on my heart that I'm excited to share, and I feel like it's... Um, going to be uh, impactful to your life. This morning, I know it's impacting my life and the Lord's speaking to me through it. And so be ready, God's going to show up today and he's going to do something special. So I just want to say um, what an awesome church family we have. We have such an amazing church family. And uh, you know, I say it a lot, but this really, my wife and I really look at uh, our church family as Family, that you are our family. We appreciate you. We love you so much. Um, it's, it's, uh, I'm disappointed that we can't be together today and, and hug each other, but um, I know that we're going to be right back together very soon, and I know that this is uh, uh, the right thing to do for today. So we love you, and we appreciate you. It's been a, a crazy year, um, but the, the amazing thing is we've actually thrived as a church this year, and I'm just so encouraged. Um, many of you know our, our toilet paper testimony, <laughs> how uh, God showed up and uh, he uh, took care of us when, when we had the great toilet paper shortage. And uh, it's just, I, I feel like he was just saying to us that he's got us covered. And, you know, all through this year, all through everything that we've went through, our church has actually thrived and our church has actually grown. And so we're, we're thankful for that. And I'm thankful for all of you. So um, last week, I I talked about a a funny T-shirt, and so it it sent me on a journey. I was like, I want to look for some more funny T-shirts. So I've I've got a few that I I saw that I thought were funny. And by the way, my criteria for something I'm going to bring that I think is funny is I have to laugh at it. So these are shirts that I laughed at. I thought they were funny. So one T-shirt said, I survived, speaking of the toilet paper, it it says, I survived the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. Another t-shirt said, math, it's all fun and games until someone divides by zero. By the way, five out of four people struggle with math. I'm not one of them, though. Uh, I saw another shirt that was really funny. It had a big beard on it, this shirt, and it said, There's a, this is for all our, our guys with beard, we've got a few. And it had a big beard on it, and it said, uh, there's a name for people without beards, women. So this, is, this last one's my favorite. So this, this shirt had a picture of duct tape on it, like a big roll of duct tape. And it said, duct tape can't fix stupid, but it can muzzle the sound. So I, hope, I hope you enjoyed those. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. Lord, just move today in our hearts. Lord, we do open our heart to you. God, we we receive your training. We receive your word. We receive your life. Lord, help us to step into deep sonship where we receive from you and we know that you're only going to give us good things. So God, we just pray that you're just speaking so powerfully today. We just thank you that your anointing is going right through the live stream into people's living rooms. We just thank you that you are strengthening families today, even as they gather, even around a laptop or a phone or whatever. God, you are there in the midst. It says where two or more are gathered, you are right there with them. And you are just speaking into their hearts today. We just thank you for it, God. I just pray that you do something extra special today. And Lord, I give you this message Speak through this message today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to read from Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4. I'll give you a second if you're looking it up at home. Galatians 4, I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 7. There's a lot in these four verses. If you could just meditate. If you're struggling with identity, if you're struggling with grace, Meditate on these four scriptures. These four scriptures can set you free. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. So verse 4 says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So there's a lot in those scriptures. I'm just going to point out some key points in those scriptures. Number one, Jesus redeemed us from the law. When you read all the curses in the Old Testament, those do not apply to you. Jesus became a curse. The Bible says that anyone who hung on a tree was, con- was considered a curse. He became a curse for us. He took the punishments for us, and we are no longer under the curse of the law. Amen? So Jesus redeemed us from the law. We're no longer under the curse of the law. By the way, God never wanted to relate to us through rules and through law. He never wanted to relate to us that way. How do we know that? Well, look at the original design. Always go back. There's so much to learn when we just go back to Genesis and we look at What God did in the Garden of Eden. The original design, God didn't want to relate to us through rules. He wanted to have personal, direct relationship with us like he had with Adam and Eve. He walked with them. He had relationship with them. He talked with them. That is what Jesus died for, is to restore that type of relationship with us. To restore that one-on-one relationship with us. And that's the type of relationship that we can have. So Jesus redeemed us from the law. We're not under the law. We're now under grace. We have Jesus Christ living inside of us. And it says that we are adopted by God. We're adopted by God. Romans 8:15 it talks about the spirit of adoption and in the passion translation it says that we've received the spirit of full acceptance. So we actually have been adopted by God. We've been, received the spirit of full acceptance. And that, to me, just the fact that we're actually God's children and we've received the full acceptance is amazing to me. We've received the, full, the spirit of full acceptance. If you've struggled with rejection, like we've all ha- had times in our life where we felt rejected or we went through rejection, God's actually giving us The spirit, it's the opposite of rejection. It's the spirit of full acceptance. And when we invite, if you struggle still with rejection, when we invite that spirit of acceptance in, it begins to heal that deep place of rejection. And it goes down to that root of rejection, that spirit of full acceptance, and it'll heal that. So the more we let that in, that spirit of full acceptance, it actually comes in and it heals that spirit of rejection. God's been speaking to me, by the way, about the spirit of rejection. And I might speak about that now in a week or two. Something brewing, so we're god 's sons, it says we're god 's daughters that 's your identity. We need to hold that close, like I am god 's son, I am His representation in the world when I go to work, when I go to Walmart, when I get my hair cut, yesterday, I was getting my hair cut, and I just want to just encourage you, so many people right now are hungry for Jesus, so many people are hungry for Jesus, and I just was getting my hair cut and uh, it came, the lady asked me what I did, and she was very talkative, by the way, and and then I, she asked me what I did, and I said, I'm a pastor, and then she got really quiet, and I was was like, I don't know, you know, if that, why she got quiet, but she got really quiet for about three or four minutes, and then it was like, I, I know what was happening now, in hindsight, the Lord was just speaking to her heart, she started asking me all these spiritual questions, the Lord's actually been speaking to her, and I was able to just be there and just, as a son of God, as a representation of the Father, I was able to come in and just minister to her and encourage her. Yeah, the Lord's actually speaking to you. The Lord actually is, was speaking to her through all these different things. And I was like, yeah, it's God. He's, he's speaking to you. He's knocking. He's at the door and he's knocking. So people are hungry and our identity is sons, daughters. We need to carry that identity with us. We know that we represent the Father. We don't always do it well, but we get back up and we 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 reestablish ourselves in the in the truth that our identity is we are sons of God. Amen. So we now have the spirit. This is what that script that passage says. It says verse six says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. So we have the spirit of Jesus Christ in our heart, and it actually says um, the spirit of Jesus Christ within us cries out, Abba, Father. Isn't that interesting? The spirit of Jesus lives in us, and that spirit is crying out, Abba, Father. Why does it do that? It's longing to connect us to our Father. It's crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, drawing us to the Father, connecting us to him, so we, we are now prone to righteousness. Before you were saved, you were prone to sin. You were drawn to sin. You were prone to sin. But once you said yes to Jesus, God gave you a whole new nature. The Bible says you became a whole new creation. And now you're drawn to righteousness. You're actually drawn to righteousness now. You're not prone to sin. You're prone to Righteousness. It doesn't mean that we can't sin, but that's not our nature. Our nature is actually drawn to righteousness. So Jesus is drawing us to the Father's heart so that we leave every slavery mindset and every slave way of living And we step into the reality of sonship and full acceptance. God wants us to step into the full reality of sonship, the full reality of full acceptance, knowing God has fully accepted us. Jesus Christ paid 100% of the price. There's nothing we can add to it. We simply step into sonship. We step into that spirit of full acceptance. So since we are God's child... It says that we are also co-heirs with Christ. All of this, by the way, it's all in those four scriptures, everything I'm talking about right now. There's so much power in just those four scriptures. Since we're God's child, we're also co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, this is a a mystery that kind of just baffles our mind. So I have five children, but if I were to, to go out and adopt another son or another daughter tomorrow and just tell them, like, okay, now you are, Let's say they're old enough to understand. Let's say I adopted a 12-year-old, and now I'm, we're inviting them into my home, and I'm like, okay, now you are a co-heir with all my other biological children. You're, you're going to receive the same inheritance, the same love, the same blessing. That's what God has done for us. But what baffles my mind is Jesus is God's son. So God is saying to us, you're co-heirs with my son, Jesus Christ, with him, This is good stuff. So Romans 8.32 says this. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? He who did not spare his own son, but he delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things. It's saying God gave us the best that he could. He gave us his most precious possession, his own son, Jesus Christ. So if he's willing to do that, if he was willing to let his son come and die for us, how will he not also with Jesus freely give us all things? It baffles our mind, but this is the word, this is the gospel. This is why the Bible is called gospel, which means good news. This is good news. So why did God do that? Why did God make us co-heirs with Jesus? Because he really loves us that much. He really cares about us that much that he wanted to actually elevate us and make us co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That's how much he cares for us. So if you've been here at Awaken Life Church, um, you've probably heard us talk about grace and identity a lot. And those four scriptures really kind of are packed with grace and identity. And you've heard us talk about that a lot, and it's a foundational truth that we must stand on so that we're not in a position of trying to earn God's love or trying to earn full acceptance. If we don't stand in grace, if we don't know that God's paid the way for us to be sons, and that we're already fully accepted, it puts us on this hamster wheel of trying to earn love from God, trying to earn acceptance and you know us as parents like that have children none of us want our children to feel like they have to earn our love to earn our affection to earn our acceptance but we want them to know that they are fully accepted they're fully loved that we couldn't possibly love them more they don't have to do anything to earn it and so this is the foundation that we need to stand on as believers so that we're not trying to become sons. We're not trying to become daughters, but we know we already are. You're already loved. You're already fully accepted, and God is at peace with you. Did you know that God is at peace with you? Romans 5.1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have peace with God. You've been justified by faith, not by works, not because of what you've done, not because you've been good enough, by faith, simple faith. This is the gospel. Simple faith in Christ equals sonship, equals salvation, equals fully accepted, equals you are a saint. So this is our starting point as believers. You're fully loved, fully accepted. God is at peace with you. Therefore, having been justified by faith alone, we have peace with God. God is at peace with you. He's at perfect peace with you. You may not be at peace with yourself, but God is at peace with you. Let that in. You're loved, you're accepted, you're righteous, and God's at peace with you. So the question is, now what? Now what? Remember that scene in in, uh, Finding Nemo at the end of, of the movie where all the fish, they're trying to escape the whole movie from the fish tank, and they finally, like, get outside, in their bags, and they're all in these individual bags filled with water, and they finally jump into the ocean. So they're all in the ocean, but they're all still in bags, and they're, like, celebrating. They're like, yeah, we did it, and then they kind of realize that they're all still in bags, and, and the one fish goes, now what? Now what? What do we do now? Now what? Standing on grace and in our identity, what are we to do now? What do we do now? I really believe that grace and identity is the milk of the word. And now what? Is an unhealthy question until you're standing in grace and identity. Because if you're asking, like, I'm saved and you don't understand grace and identity and you're asking, now what? You'll get immediately put onto the hamster wheel of like trying to earn God's approval or acceptance. But now what? When you understand grace, when you're, and obviously grace is an unfolding revelation that we're gonna be uh, unfolding for the rest of our life. But when we start to understand grace and sonship and identity, now what's a great question to ask? So that's our question this morning. Now what? What are we to do? We've received the milk of the word, which is grace and identity. It's our starting point, it's the milk because it's where we start. We start out loved. So a lot of us were asking this question before we understood grace and identity, and it's not a good question before we understand those things, but it's a perfect question to ask after we receive grace. So you're sanctified, the Bible says. You're glorified. You're justified. You're righteous. You're dearly loved children. You're a saint. You're a son of God. You're a co-heir with Christ. Now what? So I want to read Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 11 through 6. Ephesians 4. Start in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, to teach his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's where we're going. We want to become mature, And attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ who lives in us. Then, verse 14, then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. This message is about growing. We will grow. To become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, when we're grounded in His love and when we've received His grace, it's it's now time to grow. It's now time to grow. We want to grow, we want to mature. And so I want to talk to you about receiving training. I want to talk to you about growth this morning. Receiving training. Hebrews chapter twelve says this. Hebrews chapter twelve verse ten. It says they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. This is talking about our biological fathers. That's what they they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. God disciplines us. Another word for discipline, in some translations it says training. God trains us. Another word for discipline is discipleship. That's where the word uh, disciple comes from, the word discipl- or discipline. Disciple comes from the word discipline. So God disciples us, He disciplines us, he trains us so that we can share in his holiness. By the way, you can't become holy. You can't do enough to earn holiness, but God says, I wanna share my holiness with you. Isn't that good? God wants to share his holiness with you. It's his holiness. We can't become holy through self-effort. He lovingly trains us so that we can partake in his holiness. And he is inviting each one of us to share in his holiness. So the more of God's discipline that we receive, the more that we can share in his holiness holiness. How many understand God's discipline is perfect? Hebrews 12.10 that we just read, it said, our fathers disciplined us as they thought best. So in other words, it wasn't always, maybe it wasn't always perfect. It's, they did their best. They did what they thought was right. But God's discipline is perfect. God disciplines us for our good. God's discipline is perfect. His training is perfect, and everything that he does in his training is drawing us closer to him and is inviting us into holiness, into his holiness. Discipline is not punishment. Jesus Christ was already punished on the cross for us. So if, if you grew up in, in abuse where discipline was maybe abuse or maybe it was hard discipline that wasn't in love, this is not God's discipline. God's discipline, he disciplines us in love. He trains us for our good and to draw us closer to him. God's discipline is perfect. So if we, if we had that experience, you know, as a, as a child, we really need to forgive our, our parents and we need to realize and have the revelation that God's discipline is not the same as our earthly father's and mothers' discipline. Hebrews 12:7 says, "This God is treating you as His children for what children are not disciplined by their father. So as His, as his children, he'll disciple us. He treats us as children. To be disciplined means that we're His children. To train someone takes time and relationship. So God wants to invest his time into you for your benefit. God invests himself into you for your benefit because he wants to raise you up. He wants you to accomplish everything that he's called you to accomplish in your life. He wants to, you to share in his holiness, So, we need to welcome God's training in our life. So, let me ask you a question. This would have been fun if we'd have been all together today, but it's still going to be fun. So, those of you who have college degrees, did you just walk into the office of your school and just say, Hey, I would like to have a degree in business? Hand it over. Did you do that? No? <laughs> Maybe you took money. You took, OK, I have $5,000. I would like a degree in engineering. Hand it over. Here's, I'll give you the money, you give me the degree. No, that didn't happen, right? There was training. There was study. There was testing. Uh-oh. Did anybody get to opt out of testing? Did anybody say, look, I'm good with the stu- I'm good with going to class. I'm good with the tuition. I just want to opt out of the testing. Anybody? No, there's testing. There's, there's testing. So there's going to be testing in our life. There's going to be training. There's study. There's testing. No one opts out of the testing. We understand that in the natural, but we need to understand that in the spiritual There's testing. God wants to grow us. He'll use testing to grow us. I I got, in my lifetime, I've I've got both my real estate license. Uh, Years ago, I had it. And uh, um, a few years ago, too, I got an insurance license. Never did anything with it. But I'm someone, like, my wife, she, like, she can absorb information really quickly and test really well. I am not like that. I have to like, know the information inside and out like, and actually have to have it like, really in my mind that I actually know it. Like It can't be in like, short-term memory. It has to be like really in there for me to test well. And so it took me, I went to a school, when I went to real estate school, they told, they told you at this school, they said, if you pass our school test, you will pass the state test because our school test is much harder than the state test. It took me five times to pass their school test study and flashcards, and and again, it's harder for me to study. Uh, It's not as easy as it is for, like, my wife. So I would lock myself in a room. I would just, like, grill myself in the information, and I think think it was, like, the fourth time I took the test, you had to get a 75%. The fourth time I took the test, I got a 74.5. Fail. You can't get a 74.5. It has to be 75 or above. And then finally, I think the fifth time I took the test, I got like a 78 or something. And it was a lot of study. And my insurance license, same thing. Um, I locked myself in a room basically for two weeks. I'm like, Joy, just slide the food under the door. I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus. <laughs> and that's, that's how I have to do it. And I passed on the first try with that one. So we understand those, we understand these things in the natural. We understand, like if we want to. Change our body. We understand it takes training. We have to go to the gym. We have to eat right. We, under, we understand all these things. But we need to understand that the same applies for our spiritual life. And it's not earning God's love. It's not earning acceptance. It's not becoming more of a son. We already have all that. This is about God wants us to grow into the full maturity that he's called us to grow into so that we can be everything that he's designed us to be. And there's something that you can do, there's something that God created you to do that nobody else can do. And so if you don't grow into that maturity, it's not going to happen. God has a unique gifting. I know in a broad sense, God's will is going to be done, yes. But I believe with my whole heart that God's given you something unique. And you're the only person that can bring that unique gifting into the world. So this isn't about receiving love, acceptance. This is about stepping into fullness. We need a hunger for holiness. We need to hunger to step into that. And God wants to share in his holiness, but he shares his holiness with those who are willing to be trained. Are we willing to be trained? Are we willing to to, to study? Are we willing to be tested? You know, even when we think that way, we can start to see situations different, like, oh, maybe this is a test. And then it changes our our outlook on it, like, I want to get this right. I want to get this right. I want to make the right decision here. I don't want to keep being tested in this area. I want to get this one right. Like, I don't want to take my real estate test five times. I want to pass on my first time. So God is inviting us to go higher with him. He's inviting us to go higher in our callings. He's inviting us to share in his holiness. But we need to embrace discipline, discipleship, training. Embrace testing. Do you know what we call math problems? Oh, I just gave it away. Do you know what we call math questions? Start over. Just edit that out of the live stream. Do you know what we call math questions? Problems. You never would have guessed that, would you? We call them problems. We send our kids to school, and we give them problems to solve. Here's a problem to solve. Why do we do that? It's part of their training. We're training them up. They have a problem to solve, and when they figure out how to solve these problems, they graduate to higher and higher levels and grades. So God's, we have I'm not saying God, he's a good father, he's not going to send sickness, you know, he's, he'll never send. By the way, God is always delivering life to us. John ten ten. Jesus said, I come to bring life, 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 life and life more abundantly. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So God will never discipline you with sickness. That doesn't even make sense. He put all, he put all the sin of the world and all the sickness on the body of Christ. He's a good dad. How many dads would give their kids sickness to teach them a lesson? None of us, and, and we're, not, we're not as good of a father as God is. If we know how to give our kids the good things, how much more the father gives us good things, amen? So God doesn't discipline. He doesn't test us with sickness. or he, He's not gonna take one of our children. That's just crazy to think that way. But he will... Use situations and he will bring tests into our life and he wants us to pass. We need to know that. He wants us to pass. He's like, I want you to get over this hurdle here so I can take you to another level. I hope you guys are okay this morning. <laughs> are you guys okay this morning? God just wants us to grow, and He wants everything that He's put inside of us to come out. And just like us with our children, we're going to discipline them because we want to see the greatness come out. God does the same thing with us. James 1, says in James 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. Consider it joy when you encounter trials, knowing that the testing, there's that word testing again, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In the Passion Translation, it says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. So when we let God shape us through our difficulties, we'll be able to receive and sustain higher and higher levels of joy. God wants us to step into higher levels of joy. God wants us to step into higher levels of faith, higher levels of giftings and anointings, but he's going to use training to get us there. God won't leave you where you're at. He doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He wants us to have an amazing life here on earth. If you have marriage difficulties, God is not going to leave you where you're at. If you have personal struggles, God's not going to leave you where you're at. But we need to embrace discipline, embrace training. Knowing Jesus is seeing our today's change and not just our eternities. Amen. Let me say that again. Knowing Jesus, what it means to know Jesus is seeing our today's change, our present change, our near future change, and not just we're going to be okay in eternity. God wants to, he wants to come in and change your today's. Amen. Don't resist training. Don't resist correction during a trial. Embrace it. Embrace it. Run to him in those times. I love this scripture. Proverbs 9, 8. It says, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you, but reprove a wise man and he will love you. You know what that's saying? It's saying when you correct a wise person, they'll actually love you more. They'll actually thank you. Wow, thank you. Finally, I've been looking for someone who would love me enough to tell me the truth. reprove a, a wise man and he'll actually love you more thank you for speaking into my life thank you for telling me the truth I, know, I receive that as love because I know you want me to be better Jesus did this with Peter one moment he's encouraging him the next moment he's rebuking him he's like Jesus talked to Peter and he said who do you say I am Peter and Peter said you are the Christ you're the son of God and he said well done good job Peter Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but the Father God revealed that to you. Well done. The next moment, Jesus is telling his disciples he's going to the cross, and Peter's like, no, Lord, you don't have to, you don't have to die. You don't have to, and, and Jesus rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what spirit you're of right now. Correction. It's not a bad thing. It's what we need. We need mothers and fathers that speak into our life. We need God to speak into our life. We need people in our life that will tell us the truth. Man, I value that. I value feedback. I value people that will will tell me the truth. I've opened myself up to several um, spiritual brothers and spiritual fathers and said, I invite correction. I invite feedback into my life because I need it. So I want to talk about practical ways to receive discipleship. I'm always a I always love, if I can, connecting the practical to the spiritual, like what we're talking about. Like, What does this look like? What does this look like to receive discipleship, receive training? So number one, and this has really been on my heart for, I would say, years, this, this point. It's been in my heart for years, and I'm still asking the Lord, like, God, what does this look like? How do we, how do, we do this in our church body? How do we do it well? But I want to talk about spiritual fathers and mothers, ways to receive discipleship. We need spiritual fathers and mothers. We need to invite them to speak into our lives and to bring correction when needed. We need spiritual mothers and fathers. This is is so important. There's so many men and women out there that they may be 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and even beyond, and they've never had that. They've never had a spiritual mom and and mother and father just speak into their life that's actually trying to help them get to where God wants them to go. That's what a great spiritual father and mother does, is they're actually, they look at the calling in your life, they look at where where you're supposed to be going, and they look at like where God has you, and they're actually holding you accountable and trying to help you get there and speaking into your life and imparting into you. It's very powerful. We need spiritual fathers and mothers in our life, 1 Corinthians 4.15 says this, for although you have countless, this is passion translation, says for although you have countless babysitters, some translations say teachers, guides, you have a lot of teachers, you have a lot of babysitters, you have a lot of guides in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong, you don't have many fathers who correct you and love. You have a lot of teachers you're getting a lot of knowledge, you know, like man, we have. We're in the age where we can get great knowledge, like it's at our fingertips. I can listen to Joel Osteen for breakfast. I can listen to Joseph Prince for lunch. I can listen to Bill Johnson for dinner. I mean, we have great teaching at our at our fingertips, right? Great encouragement. But what we need, and that's great, we need teaching. That's all important. But what what we've been missing, and what Paul even said even then, what they're missing, he's like, you need fathers. You need fathers, and you need mothers speaking into your life and actually holding you accountable and actually helping you get where you need to go. Spiritual moms and dads, by the way, spiritual moms and dads, your role isn't just calling out greatness, but it's to train and correct It's to train and correct. Spiritual mothers and fathers are a compass to help you get to your destination. Every heart longs for for a spiritual father and spiritual mothers. Every heart longs for this. Like, I need a spiritual father and mother, someone that's actually helping me in my walk, that cares about me, that's correcting me when I need to be corrected, that's showing me how to get where I need to get. There's a movie... Uh, called Ad Astra with Brad Pitt. I'm not necessarily recommending the movie, but I enjoyed it just because I saw a metaphor in it. Like the metaphor is man's search for a father. And in this movie, it's actually, if we took all the movies and that dealt with that subject matter, In this movie, literally, his search takes him across the universe. It's set in outer space. Takes him across the universe because he wants to connect with his father. There is something in us that's like desires to connect to spiritual fathers and mothers, and we need it. A father imparts identity, and we have an identity crisis in our nation. We need fathers that impart identity. One of of the biggest problems that we have in our country is, is a lack of fathers. Not speaking over their children identity. A lack of spiritual fathers and a lack of biological fathers. It's one of the biggest problems. That's why we see such an identity crisis in our nation. People are like trying to figure out who they are. A father imparts identity. Okay, Matthew ten forty one says this: He who receives a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Okay, stay with me on this one. So, if you receive a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. Proverbs thirty uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty two says this: A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So, a father imparts inheritance. So. If you receive a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. If you receive a father, fathering, you get an inheritance. A reward is good, but inheritance is even better. An inheritance is even better. If we receive fathering, we receive an inheritance. A good father or a mother wants to pour all of their blessing, all of their revelation, all of their knowledge, and all of their wisdom and experience into their children. A good father or mother calls out the greatness in their children and helps them get to their destination. We see this in the Bible. Elijah did it for Elisha. Jesus did this for his disciples. Paul did this for Timothy. So become a spiritual father and seek someone out that needs a spiritual fathering. You might might be listening to this. You might be like, I am not ready to be a spiritual father. I need spiritual fathering. Seek someone out to be your spiritual father. Start to ask the Lord, God, bring me a spiritual father. So practical ways to receive discipleships. Spiritual fathers and mothers. And we're going to press into this as a body. And we're going to go after that. But we need your help. I want to ask you to start praying. Um, Lord, do you want me to be a spiritual father or mother? And who do you have me leading? Who do you have me speaking into their life? And I want you also to ask, Lord, do you have a spiritual father or mother for me? Number two, ways to receive discipleship. Whenever a trial or a difficulty comes, ask the Lord, God, what are you trying to teach me right now? God, what are you trying to teach me right now? What am I missing? Where do I need an upgrade? Let God disciple you. One of the tricks of the enemy is like, hey, yeah, he'll speak to you. Like, yeah, you're going through this problem because you're bad and you've blown it again and God's ashamed of you, God's mad at you. When in actuality, like when we're going through that trial, maybe it's that testing. And maybe we need to, instead of like listening to the voice of the enemy and pushing back from God, we need to actually push in to God and say, God, what are you teaching me? What, what's the test? Well, I wanna pass, I wanna pass the test. What do I need to learn? what am I missing? Invite him in to disciple you, to train you. Bill Johnson talks about going through a period of his life, in his life, where he would pray, Lord, I want more of you at any cost. Lord, more of you at any cost. You can't pray that prayer unless you know the goodness of God. If you know the goodness of God, you can pray that prayer. In fact, I, when I first heard it a few years ago, I was like, I don't know if I want to pray that prayer. Because I didn't fully like, trust the goodness of God. But I've came to a point in my life where I'm like, Lord, more of you at any cost. I know that he's a good father. I know he's not going to bring sickness on me. I know he's not going to take one of my children. But he, when we open up our heart to him like that, he will come. He will come. And I'll speak into our life. So when you go through trials, open up to the Lord. Don't hide in shame. Say, Lord, what am I missing? What am I missing? What are you trying to teach me right now? If you have this emotional thing, maybe once every month or a couple months, you just get depressed. Instead of just shrinking back in those moments, like, go to the Lord and say, Lord, like, what, what am I missing here? Why do I keep struggling with depression? Why do I keep struggling with lust? What, what are these things? What am I missing in my training? What have I not learned yet? Do what I did with the insurance test. If you can, lock yourself in a room and say, God, I'm not leaving this room until I learn what you want me to learn in this. I don't want to go through this mountain anymore. I want you to teach me and train me. And I believe that's the kind of vulnerability, that's the kind of realness that God is looking for, and he will come in. He will come in. So God wants to train you so that you can share in his holiness. And God trains us. This is something Bill Johnson talks about a lot. I love uh, when he talks about this subject. But he says, God trains us so that we can steward his blessings. God wants to bless you with more. But, you know, a great example is finances. He's like, man, I want to bless you with finances, but if you're not stewarding what you have well, I can't give you more. Like once we learn to steward like he who has who uh, been faithful with little will be rewarded with much. And you can apply that to finances, but you can also apply it to so many things. Be faithful with that small leadership position you have. Be faithful with that responsibility that you've been given. Be faithful. Those who are faithful with little will be rewarded with more, with much. So God trains us so that we can steward his blessing. He wants to pour out more blessing. But he wants to train us. He's trying to train us up so that we can handle more and more in blessing. I, I think of Bill Johnson. And I'm like, man, he's so criticized by so many people. And if God hadn't done like just so much work in his heart, he would just crumble. He would crumble under the weight of criticism and all the stuff that's going on. But I, I happen to know people that know him. And, and someone just told me like, that knows him personally. They're like, he, he really... Uh, How'd they put it? I'm trying to remember how they put it. They're like, he really uh, is not impacted by what other people think about him at all. He only wants to please God. And so it's not an indifference, like a, a bad indifference, like, oh, I don't care what people think. <laughs> it's like, I know whose viewpoint of me is important. It's God's. God, God's alone. And so he doesn't let criticism get to his heart. Number three, so ways to receive discipleship, church community. Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body, we read it earlier, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That sounds good, I want that. Let me read it again. He makes the whole body fit together Perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Embrace your church community. Embrace your church community. If you want to become more passionate for the Lord, find someone who is more passionate than you are and spend time with them, hang out with them. It'll get on you. I remember like when we started walking in healing, it's because we were around someone that was... It was Praying for people and they'd get healed. And we were around it and it got on us. And we started praying for people and they would get healed. If you wanna walk in healing, get around someone who walks in healing. If you wanna walk in deeper in the prophetic, get around someone who's walking in the prophetic. Embrace your church community. If, if you wanna be better in your finances, find someone who's good in their finances and who's stewarding what God's given them well and get around them. Ask them to teach you how do you how do, you do the, your finances? How do you do a budget? This is wisdom. This is how we grow. Every joint supplies something to the body. What do you need? What do you need? I guarantee you there's a supply for what you need inside the body of Christ. Seek it out. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. This is a crazy scripture to me confess your sins not to god it says that in other places but this it says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed there's something about coming becoming vulnerable in community and and making yourself known coming into the light that brings deep healing i'm not saying you should Invite the whole church into every issue that you have, but you should find one, two, three, four people that you can connect with, that you can be real with. Hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm struggling with. Would you pray for me? Would you agree with me that God's doing work? He's training me in this area. Pray for one another that you be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Let yourself be known in your community. We tend to believe a lie that if people really knew me, they wouldn't really love me, but the truth is actually the opposite. When you open yourself up to the people that God shows you to, they'll actually love you more because for the first time, they're actually seeing the real you and they're able to love you more. When we have a guard up and we're like, I'm not going to let people see certain parts of my life, certain parts of my heart, you'll actually have a harder time receiving love because you have that thing that you're like, well, if I let them know this thing, they wouldn't really love me, so you don't fully receive love. Does that make sense? In conclusion, you are loved, you're accepted, and that will never change no matter what you do. And you can stay right where you're at for the rest of your life. You're fully loved, fully accepted. You're going to heaven. And that's not a problem for for God. As far as your salvation, we can just stay right where we're at. But each person has been given a unique gifting, and there's something God has given you for the whole world that no one else can give. That's what we're going after that's what we're going after. I, I, I want to grow. Your pastor wants to grow. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I know I'm loved. I know I'm accepted. I know that I'm pleasing to the Father. I know he's proud of me. But I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to attain the, what the Bible says, the fullness of Christ. I want to get Jesus everything that he paid for on the cross. I want to walk in the fullness that Jesus paid for. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you as your pastor. I want us to grow and to step into deeper levels of maturity so that we can attain to the, as uh, is that, is that scripture said, we can attain to the highest level of what God has for us in our life. Amen. Amen. We want to give Jesus everything that he paid for. Amen. And so... I just want to pray over you this morning. I know this is maybe a different message than I, I've preached in a while. Because we tend to like focus on, and it's it's an amazing thing. We tend to focus on like the love of the Father and how much he cares for us and what he's done for us, and that's awesome. And we should we're gonna keep doing that. We're gonna keep renewing our mind in grace. But I feel like right now it's like God's calling us higher. He's calling us higher, and he's like, I, I want you to embrace my training, my discipline, my discipleship in all its various forms because I want you to go higher. I want your joy to be full. I want your joy to be full. I want your life to be filled with me, and we need to receive his training to do that. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. God, I just thank you for this church family I thank you for all that you're done, you've done in this church, all that you're doing. And I know we're just at the very beginning. I know that you're doing a work in our church with spiritual fathering and spiritual mothering. I know, God, that you want to raise us up. I know that you have so much more for each and every one of us. It doesn't matter if we're what age we're at, God, that you want to do a work in our life. It's never too late. You want to grow us and strengthen us. We just pray that every stronghold that says that we can't grow would just fall in Jesus' name, that says, no, I've done this too long. I've been this way too long, and I'm just, this is who I am. I pray that, God, you're invading every stronghold and bringing hope once again for someone to say, yes, God has something better for me. I don't have to stay in this level of, of depression. I don't have to stay in this level of a lack of joy or a lack of fulfillment or give up on the dreams that God's put in my heart, but God can get me there. So I just thank you, Lord. Open up our hearts to receive from you. God, we just pray that you're showing us how to do it, and we're going after um, training and discipleship, and we're, and we're getting raised up in all the ways that you want to raise us up in. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>